You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Mike Lynch. And I'm Michael Barr. And this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sport. Well, guys, a very timely conversation today. You know I love talking about fitness, and we've got the perfect guy to talk about it. And he's been making some news lately, he and his company. We're talking about Anthony Geisler. He's the founder and the CEO of Exponential Fitness, the largest boutique fitness curator. Nine brands they've got under the umbrella Brands you have heard of, Club Pilates, Pure Bar, Cycle Bar, among them. Anthony joins us from Irvine, California. Anthony, uh, first of all, great to reconnect with you. You and I were talking uh, before we came on air. You and I first met virtually back in 2017, I think. The world has obviously changed. The world is very different for you guys of late. Uh, You're a publicly traded company now. It's all happening. Uh, Tell us about what's going on. Bring us up to date. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been uh, since 2017, a, a lot has happened. Um, you know, in 2017, uh, we had one brand, Club Pilates, which was the first in our portfolio of now nine brands. Um, so, you know, we, we entered the world of cycling with Cycle Bar and Stretch Lab with stretching, Row House with rowing, uh, AKT Dance, Yoga 6, Pure Bar, uh, Stride our running concept, uh, kind of like a Barry's would be. Um, and then, uh, you know, our latest acquisition, Rumble Boxing, um, which, you know, we've been, we've been selling like fire. So um, it's, uh, I think when we talked, we were probably at, uh, at you know, two to three, 400 locations, something like that. And now we're, uh, we're pushing to 2000 with, you know, 3,600 franchises uh, sold, um, kind of here in the United States, an extra 740 plus international studios uh, contracted for uh, on top of that, and so you know we've we've spread from uh, from one brand to nine, one country to eleven, and uh, and kind of thousands of franchises sold. So it's been a uh, it's been a busy four years uh, since you picked me back up. Wait a minute, you threw something out there, Rumble Boxing. You have to tell me what that's all about. Yeah, Rumble's great. If you live uh, in any major DMA and you haven't been hiding under a rock, uh, you know, in the fitness space, uh, Rumble Boxing is, you know, everybody knows I started with LA Boxing. I owned that. I owned UFC Gym. Um, And so, you know, I kind of grew up in the boxing space and in fitness almost 20 years ago. And, um, you know, Rumble is is a a lot different than LA Boxing. You know, in LA Boxing, we were taking professional fighters and, you know, having them put suburban people through kind of the paces. Uh, this and Rumble is just kind of, you know, it's Rumble boxing, but it also has bench work and training as a type of hit product as well. Um, so it's, it's boxing in a nightclub. Uh, so lights are off, uh, lots of music, and, um, and a great time. Hey, Anthony, it's Mike Lynch up in Boston. Um, Great to chat with you. Of your nine different brands, uh, what would you say is the common thread, the common denominator between all of them? I mean, all of them, I think, is the diversity and the accessibility. Um, And I know those are hot keywords now, but we started with that in 2015 because it was Joseph Pilates' dying wish that the whole world did Pilates. And back then, it really was, you know, kind of suburban, rich white women that did Pilates. And that wasn't Joe's dying wish, was that those people just did it or dancers did it. It was that the whole world did it. And so Allison Beardsley, who we bought Club Pilates from six years ago, 
to start this uh, journey, that was also her wish. And so, you know, we made Pilates accessible to the masses. That's how we're able to open almost 700 stores and sell almost 1,000 locations in such a short period of time. So we use that same accessibility for everyone. And, you know, some people say it's kind of like you need to know how to soul cycle before you soul cycle or you need to know how to bury before you go to berries. Um, and, you know, for us, it's, you know, the accessibility of, you know, Cycle Bar being the first place you come uh, to learn indoor cycling and really build that, that community and bond. Um, and that community was shown, obviously, during COVID when, uh, you know, our stores, you know, all were able to temporarily close and then reopen. And we still processed over $440 million, almost a half a billion dollars in the pockets of franchisees while we are closed because our close-knit community really supported our locations. So tell us more about that, because because obviously, and this is like the big existential question in, in many ways, you know, boutique fitness was rocking along there for a while. And, and that was really the subject of that conversation you and I had back in 2017 yeah. was it was just, you know, up and to the right for sure. Everybody was getting into the business. There was clearly a lot of expansion going on. Obviously, COVID and the pandemic arrested that to some extent. What have we learned about the boutique business in, in terms of the economics of it? And, and how do you see the future playing out? You know, I, I see it as a, you know, COVID, and I don't mean, you know, COVID as a, a pandemic, but COVID as it affected the business mm-hmm. um, was really, a you know, kind of a pause in the business for a year, um, you know, a blip in the radar. But the, you know, our stores reopened, the members came back. They're spending the same money they were spending before. Uh, you know, they're coming back just like they were before. And so, you know, for us, the, the people that manage through, you know, there's stats anywhere from 15 to 20% of, you know, the industry permanently closed. Um, you know, we know brands like Yoga Works went bankrupt or Flywheel went bankrupt. Um, you know, we know about those, but there, there was a lot of others, um, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of, of others. Um, and so, you know, we have a lot of displaced members, um, that are coming in our doors now that, you know, maybe they were yoga works member. Now they're looking to go to, you know, Y6, their flywheel member. Um, you know, we took over a lot of the flywheel locations and converted them into cycle bars. So you have, you know, these displaced members that are coming back and, and looking to cycle, um, you know, so the, the business for those that, you know, came out the other side of it, um, you know, is, is actually uh, a bit of a better place because um, we also have a new group of people, which are, you know, people that have now decided that, you know, health and wellness is important to them. You know, I think some people, you know, before weren't uh, making that a priority the pandemic, you know, scared uh, a lot of people as it should have. Um, and they now are, are starting to focus. It was like, hey, whenever that gym opens up down the street, you know, I'm going to go sign up there because, you know, now I've been walking in the neighborhood or, you know, I've been doing something. And so, you know, we're seeing displaced members from other brands that went bankrupt, uh, you know, and didn't make it through the storm. And we're seeing new groups of people that maybe haven't worked out in five years or 10 years or something, uh, and they're coming in. And so, like I said earlier, our accessibility model is mm-hmm. to welcome all those people uh, into our community and, and treat them like family. It's one thing for streaming. It's another thing for in-studio 
training. How do you find a balance between that? Because uh, uh, streaming is popular, and, and but obviously in person is also popular. How do you balance that? Yeah, I think if you look at the numbers, overwhelmingly people love the in-person experience, right? There's we, we get excited or markets get excited or people like to talk about, you know, the in-home or Peloton or those types of things. When, when you look at the amount of dollars and people that work out, you know, indoor, in-studio versus the people that do it at home, um, you know, it's drastically different, right? Uh, Peloton has done a good job in the small at-home space, right? And so, you know, we tend to focus there. But, I mean, Jane Fonda's, you know, workout tape is still – you know, very popular for the last 50 years. Um, so, you know, in-home has been around for a while. I think it's more in the news now um, and more people are, you know, are looking at it. Uh, but the reality is, you know, I, I said this earlier on a, on a different interview um, on Fox News. I said the, the in-home kitchen did not kill the restaurant industry, um, <laughs> nor is a stationary bike going to kill the fitness industry, right? It's just... Um, it's not there. And so we as a company have an omni-channel approach. We have our own full production facility that we own across the street, our own crews and editing bays and, you know, all of that. Uh, and we have it across nine brands, right? So there's really nobody out there, in my opinion, more well-positioned to, you know, be in the digital space than us with nine great brands and different modalities, not just one or two. Um, you know, and so we will, we will continue to push in the digital space, but really as an omni-channel, you know, type approach for our members to be able to work out in the physical world. But, you know, hey, if they need to work out at 4 a.m., we got you. If you need to work out at 10 o'clock or, you know, in a hotel room somewhere because you're traveling, we, we want to extend that community outside of our four wall into the, into the digital space as well. Anthony, why, why do you think the boutiques are more and more attractive than the big box gyms? Uh, just because I think it's a specialized community, right? It's you know I uh, I used to ride Harleys for 20 years before I uh, before I had three year old and a six year old daughter, um, and uh, you know it was it, you know you had Harley owners groups and you know you had people that want to be a part of that, right? Uh, you know you have the Porsche Club of America, um, you know, and when you meet with when you go to a car show, you walk around and pick out the cars you like, right? So. When you go to a Porsche Club of America car show, you love Porsches and you look around at all Porsches, right? And so what you know when you go into a, a big box gym, some people are there to run on a treadmill. Some there are there to walk around looking for a date and they don't even want to work out, right? <laughs> some, are, some are there to lift weights. Some are there to do whatever. When you go into a cycle bar, the one thing you know is that there are 50 people in that room dedicated to indoor cycling. Right, you go to a club Pilates. There are twelve people on the reformer that love Pilates. When you walk into a big box gym, how many people like Pilates? How many people are like you? And so, you know, like I said, when you go to a Harley rally, you know everyone loves Harleys. You go to Sturgis, you know everyone loves motorcycles, right? And so, it's that specialized community that boutique has, where you know everyone in there, um, you know, is interested in what you're interested in. And of course, they you know they expect more classes in that. They expect the the level of teaching and engagement to be higher. They expect the cleanliness, um, you know, to be higher. 
Um, you know, when COVID hit, telling us we had to clean our, our locations properly was something our, you know, our members expected that. You know, they're paying more. They want to get more. Um, and so, you know, that, that's where I think the, the stickiness of, of boutique is. So, Anthony, I want to go back to something you alluded to earlier, which is this notion of the accessibility and and to dig a little deeper into the demographics here, because, you know, boutique fitness, I think, for for some time, and, and, and again, you referenced this earlier, was seen as, you know, relatively elite, relatively narrow in its not only in its appeal, but it's in its accessibility because the price point was so high. What have you seen? What have you guys done to to broaden that out? Because that's ultimately good business. You need more people, right? And but you also need to make a living. So so what's the what's the balance? How do you figure out how to to widen the appeal while still making money? Yeah, so, you know, we, we did that in our pricing. Um, if you kind of look at the what I'll call kind of Manhattan model of boutique, right, where classes are $30, $35, 40 it makes it less accessible, right? Um, you know, our price points are less than that. Um, we sell in a reoccurring four-pack, eight-pack, and unlimited uh, across the country. We launched the X-Pass uh, this last year which simply put allows, you know, you to sign up at one brand and go to all nine brands. Mm. Um, so you're, you're not having, you know, you and I know that, you know, people have multiple boutique, um, you know, memberships to kind of have that accessibility to different modalities. Um, we're the only people in the business that allow you to sign up at one modality and get nine, right? Um, not to mention almost 2,000 locations to go do those nine in in 48 states. So, you know, just the sheer kind of, you know, location, you know, density um, that we have allows people to kind of snack and partake um, across the different brands as well. So do you think, just to follow on that, I mean, is this where the broader business is going? This is like an industry question more than anything, where there will be consolidation is there strength in i mean obviously you're voting with your feet to some extent this notion of strength and scale but do you imagine that you'll see consolidation both with big companies and platforms like you and equinox and others continuing to expand modalities will there be other competitors you think who will come up in in terms of offering a, a variety like play this out over the next you know five ten years yeah, no, I don't. I think it'll be tough to do. Um, I I know what the journey is like to to kind of, you know, birth and raise nine kids. Yeah. So far, um, you know, there's nobody else out there that has more than one modality. So I think it would be hard in the boutique space. Uh, there's obviously a couple people in the boutique space that are saying, you know, we've got a second, we've got a third, and you know, we're going to do what Expo's doing. Um, but I know what that path looks like and it, you know, it's hard to buy good brands, staff those brands, do scale, uh, and do it well. And they, you know, it, it is really like having nine kids. They're all yours. Uh, they came from the same parents, but they're all a little bit different. And so, you know, cycle bar is not exactly like club Pilates. So these aren't like you can just buy them and, and rubber stamp them out. Um, so I don't see, you know, competitors, even if they wanted to having the ability to or do it well, um, because we're, you know, you know, we talked, uh, four plus years ago and this was the mission then, yeah. right. Which means people are 
four years behind and thousands of locations behind uh, where they sit today, right? So um, there may be some that, that try and come back. We've seen the big box operators try and do boutique. We've never seen, you know, that really be effective, um, you know, because it is a different space. You know, you won't see me going and trying to operate a 40,000, 50,000-square-foot box. Um, you know, that this is not what we do. And so it, it is a... It is a very specialized, you know, kind of piece of the business. You just began public trading uh, on July 23rd. What focus has changed for the company? How now do you structure the business because you now are publicly trading? Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's definitely, um, you know, it's been two days, uh, three days, so uh, so definitely still very new uh, at, at getting all that, you know, figured out and worked out. But, you know, I will tell you, I have a, a new found, uh, fire, um, and vigor. You would think that, uh, I was, you know, back to one brand and trying to survive mode. Um, because, you know, I take, uh, being public very seriously. It's a new, exciting piece of the journey and a milestone for the company. Um, and you know, we're here to, you know, provide shareholder value. Um, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a large shareholder of the business. Um, so it, you know, provides value for myself and, you know, and I'd love to compete. Um, and so this is just kind of a, another arena now, uh, that we're able to compete in, but it is, uh, it has definitely, uh, fired me, uh, back up on another level. I feel, um, like I'm 10 years younger, um, hmm. You know, doing uh, doing interviews like this at seven thirty in the morning, and at a five a.m. conference call, and and I'm uh, I'm ready to go. The uh, elephant in the room, of course, is COVID, and the word that uh, everyone fears now is surge. Should a surge come? What have you learned during the last uh, eighteen months or so that'll prepare you for a potential another sort of pause button? Yeah, so you know, it's a good question. We you know we've been watching the the you know. Delta variant, uh, you know, and the stats and, you know, media and stuff around that. Um, we haven't seen an effect yet in cancellations or freezes. We're not seeing that in our numbers anywhere. And we're tracking that on a week by week basis. Um, and, you know, we know, we know what that looked like when, you know, when COVID was coming. Um, you know, we're fully prepared. Uh, our franchisees are fully prepared. Um, you know, we didn't know COVID was, was coming, obviously, uh, last year, and we didn't know what it was going to do to our business. I mean, we closed 1,500-plus stores in a, you know, two-week period of time, um, you know. But the good news is, is that, you know, since COVID, we still opened 300-plus locations, and we opened over 240 locations during 2020 when we were in the thick of COVID. Um, so, you know, we know we can still grow during COVID. We know franchisees still want to open uh, during COVID. Like I said, we processed $440 million during COVID. Uh, we did that on the backs of, you know, digital, indoor, and outdoor. And so, you know, our approach then, um, which was kind of an emergency response approach, was let's convert all our physical members over to the digital space, continue to service them, which we still delivered 20 million workouts uh, in 2020. So, um, you know, we just kind of dimmed the lights on uh, physical and brightened the lights on digital and then just did the inverse of that 
um, you know, earlier this year. And now we have, you know, everyone back on our physical platform. So um, not that I want to go through it again or anybody wants to go through it again, um, but we are definitely way better positioned uh, and we have the experience of doing it. And so, you know, we, uh, we don't wish for a surge. We don't wish for a pause button. Um, but I guarantee you we are well more prepared uh, here at the corporate office, well more prepared out in the field with our franchisees. And look, if, if we went through the first COVID not knowing how bad it was going to be and not having a playbook for it, and, you know, we had zero permanently closed stores going into COVID, we had zero permanently closed stores coming out of COVID. If we were able to do that with, you know, with no notice and no playbook, um, you know, we're very well positioned today to do it with notice and a playbook uh, with the team that, you know, has been through the paces before. All right. So, Anthony, as we wrap up here, I have a question you may or may not want to answer because, you know, you do have mm. these nine children in, in some ways. But, like, what's your workout? Like, what do you do? Yes, exactly. You know this. You know this. Uh, so, what do you do? What's your jam? Oh, thank God nobody asked me this between my two girls. You know, they're, all, uh, they're both extra special right. in their own way, but very different, right? Uh, I mean, look, it, it is, you know, for me, um, you know, if I had to choose between the nine, it's really not about the brands for me. It's really about the modality yeah. uh, that speaks to me. And, you know, my dad grew up in Philly. I grew up thinking Rocky was a real person, um, you know, and, and obviously cut my teeth with L.A. boxing. And so, you know, I'm definitely passionate about the boxing modality. Um, you know, I do for my basic workout, I get up early in the morning and I, you know, I train at four forty-five, five in the morning doing, you know, stuff like flipping tires and pushing sleds and, you know, lifting, uh, ridiculous types of weight off of my chest. Um, so I do that very early in the morning, but, uh, but out of our modalities, um, you know, boxing has, has always been, uh, has always been my favorite that's out there. Right. All right. Good answer. Good answer. Good honest answer. I like that. I, you know, I'm a, it, it's yeah. sort of like you know when you go to a restaurant, and you're like, what you know, what do you recommend? They're like, it's all good. You know, I, I hate that. Yeah. You know, it's like people need to make a choice. You know what you like. Yeah, they're so like, don't good. just don't get the ribs. Yeah. You know? but <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, Anthony Geiser. Good to catch up with you. Founder, CEO of Exponential Fitness, newly publicly traded, uh, and clearly growing amid this resurgence, as it were, uh, in the fitness space and obviously a very different world from when we first met. So, uh, Anthony, thanks a lot. Good luck. All right. Thank you all. Well, Anthony, bless you, man. If I'm flipping a tire, it's because I ran over a nail. Uh, this, <laughs> yeah, is the exactly. Bloomberg, <laughs> this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast. I'm Michael Barr. Find me on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. And I'm Lynchy. I'm getting out of the chair as soon as we finish this interview. <laughs> you can follow me at LynchyWCBB. Find me, Jason Kelly, at Jason Kelly News. We're here each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday talking about the world of money, fitness, and sports. You know, Jason is built like Spider-Man. just cut. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports on Bloomberg Radio around the world and online wherever you get your podcasts.